This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. so we can just flow into some new information. Let me be sure I'm there so when we're ready, I can just go. Okay, so um, we are talking about God's grace in financial management. And it's important to understand that God's grace is sufficient. His ability to do in us, through us, what we cannot do for ourselves. It's his ability to provide, and that's how he provides. He he enables, he provides the things that we cannot, again, do for ourselves. When you can do, you should do, and you're expected to do. But his grace is made available for the things that we cannot do for ourselves. And we're going to, again, once again, go through, remember, I told you God's grace is so extensive. It is so extensive, and and he gives us grace for grace. And that, ooh, that is a nugget in itself, that God gives us grace for grace. And we're going to even see that tonight as we go through. Um, so God's power, we've been saying that God's power, this, this whole teaching is about God's power and his ability to help sustain us, to help provide for us. Um, and it's not found, we said that it's not found in how much, and we are talking about money, we're talking about financially, even his power, his ability to help sustain and provide for us, uh, and it's not, it's not based on our income, it's not based on how much we make. You can make $5, $500, $5,000, $50,000, whatever amount you make, you still have to manage your money. And he can still provide regardless of how much income you have coming in. He is a provider. And so as believers, we must bring our flesh under subjection to the word of God in every area. And that includes when it comes to managing our finances. We have to subject ourselves to the word. Whatever the word of God says about any situation in our life, we have to and we are required to subject ourselves to his word in every area. We cannot neglect finances. We cannot leave out our finances and our money when it comes to how we're, uh, uh, what word we're going to apply in our lives. We cannot leave that part of our lives out of the equation because it's just when, when you are for God, you're for God, and, and that's it. So you cannot neglect any part. You cannot... Um, you cannot hide any part. You cannot uh, keep any part of your life from God when you are a believer, when you say that you are a believer. So God, he is, God is concerned about our finances. Why? Because he understands and knows that the, the, the economy that we uh, are based on, it has to do with money. So he understands that even in that, and that money is also here to help provide for the local church. So, of course, he's concerned. He's concerned about it all. He's concerned about it all because that's the system. The money is the system. That's the economic system that we're on. So he's definitely concerned about our money. He speaks to it. He talks about it in the scriptures. It's talked about in the scriptures. So if he's addressing it in the scriptures, that it must be something to it. But we need to not get caught up just as we... And we, we and I encourage, I encourage you all, not just, and not just for this confession, but for all of our confessions, everything that we say. Don't just say the words just because we're saying the words. You need to be sure that you understand what is being said, and you need to be sure that you are complying, that you're, that you're working. You're working to comply yourself to the, the confessions that we make. It's, it's, it's nothing to just make a confession. People think, even with the scripture, 
I confess, and, and, and you know, you'll be saved. You confess, believe in your heart, and you confess. But they forget about the other part. So it's not just the confession by itself. You have to believe, and believing means that you do. It shows action. So all of our confessions, it's nothing if we don't if we don't put action if we don't put action to it. So we did pull up. We're not going to pull it up this, this, this week. But last week, that's why I had them to put up the confession that we make about that we're not a part of the economy of this world, that we're not. And then, and then we say uh, at the end of that, we talk about our love for God. And we're not, you know, not going to let anything. We want people to see that he's first in our lives. That's what we say in the confession. We want people to see that he is first in our lives. And if they look at your life, if they look at your finances, if they look at how you give, to your, even to your local church, could, would, could they say that, you, that he's first in your life? That's a good question. And that's something you've got to think about. I make the confession, but where is the action that goes along with it? That's, and that's, that's why we teach, and that's why we do extensive teachings the way that we do. So we have to bring our all of our lives, every part of our life under the subjection of the word of God. That's in our thoughts. And, and, and again, as while we're talking about money, that's in my thoughts about money. I need to bring that under subjection to the word of God. My appetites uh, regarding money, around money, I need to bring that under subjection to the word of God. My discipline, the way I discipline myself in regard to money, I need to bring that under subjection to the word of God. All of that, all of that, it all needs to be brought under, under the subjection to the word of God. Remember this statement that I made. And again, as it relates to, as it, it, can, be, it can relate to anything in, the, in, the, in, in your life, but we're specifically now talking about, about money and our finances. Bondage is of the enemy. So when I say bondage, I want you to think money. So being bound, bondage to money is of the enemy, and it is the way of the world. Bondage to, mo- to money, that is the way of the world. They try their best to get all that they can get. That's the, that's the, 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 the system of this world. They do it in, in corporate America. They do it in, in job. I mean, every, that's, that's just the way of the world. That's what they're doing. They're trying to get more money. They're trying to get money, and they're trying to get more. That's the way of the world. And they will put you in bondage. They will put you in debt so that they can get their money. That's the way of the world. Bondage, debt, bondage to money is of the enemy, and it is the way of the world. I say it's of the enemy because if you are in bondage to money, that means you're not bound to Christ. You can't be bound to two things. The love of money. Do you love love money, or you love God? Oh, that can't be. Either you love God, or you love money. The love of money is the root of all evil. It says, and the, I remember we said that 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 root. I mean, the love of is simply a phrase to show covetousness. It's a it's a, it's a phrase to show greed. So when you have greed and you're covetous. You're going after a certain thing. You're going after money the way that people go after it. They will rearrange their lives when it comes to money and how to get it. People rearrange their lives to go after money. So if you are rearranging your life, that's the love of it. If you're rearranging your life to go after money, then what does that do with the arrangement that you have with God? So you're in a church, you're in a local body, and we say that God has placed us here. We say that God has placed us as he sees fit. He's placed us in the body of Christ as, as he sees fit. We say all of that. We hear the word here. We've grasped the word here. We've applied the word here. We've seen the word change our lives. But let something come up, a financial gain. Because of a job, because of this, because of that. Financially, we will set all of that, the arrangement that we've had with God, we will set that to a side. 
so that we can go after this arrangement to help us get more money. And we don't even have to go that far. We don't even have to go that far. I'm talking about, you know, rearranging ourselves and we can, you know, we'll move places. We'll, is this place, you give me more than money if I move here, if I move there. But we even do it on the jobs, just from job to job. Listen, every job, every job is not for you. I don't know if people think, oh, that's, what? What do you mean? Every promotion is not for you. I know. I know. I thought it would be quiet. Because God promotes. He gives promotion. He does. He does. I believe that. I've experienced it. But it was not, it was not those promotions that were from God. They did not interfere. They did not interfere with what he was doing in my life. What he wanted to do in me and through me, it didn't interfere with that. But the enemy will make sure, the enemy will make sure that your promotions, the promotions that, that, that you are granted, the promotions that you are offered, he will make sure, he will make sure that they go against everything that God is trying to do in your life and through your life. He'll make sure of it. That's why, that's why I say every promotion is not for you. You're going to have to examine. And we cannot allow our flesh. Everything has to be subjected to the word. You cannot allow your flesh. Don't, you, you, can't take, you cannot take a promotion based on your flesh. Your flesh just says, I want the money. That's your flesh says, I want the money because if I have more money, I can buy more stuff. That's what your flesh says. That's the first thing that comes to your mind. If I get more money, if I have more money, then I can get more stuff. And you can't tell me, you cannot tell me that it don't. Because it do. It does. It does. If I have more money, I can get more stuff. Sometimes they just talk about a promotion, and your promotion is already spent. They say it. You go home, it's already spent. Because you're thinking about it. Everything I can buy. Oh, I get, if I get, okay, if I get this amount of money each year, you go, you plan it out. So they say, you get a $10,000 raise. You get a $20,000 raise. Okay, that $20,000, I divide that in 12, that's going to be there. I take off the taxes, so this is how much I'm going to have. When I have this amount, I, with this amount of money every month, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this. I can get another car, and I can add another $200 to that payment that I'm already making because I'm getting it. You, you have it all planned out. You plan it out. Before you even, before they even sign, before you sign paperwork to make it official, you already have, it's already spent. That's because our flesh, our flesh and our thoughts, our thoughts and our appetites, our thoughts and our appetites, that's why they have to be subject to God. None of us ever think, ever think, and you can lie if you want to. You can lie if you want to. But none of us have ever thought when we got promotions, the first thing we thought, oh, that's more money I can give to the kingdom. You might have thought about it later. But that wasn't your first thought. You thought about how I can take care of myself, how I can take care of my family, what I can do with this money. That, that's, that was your first thought. Oh, and by the way, I could give a little more to the church. Secondary. Secondary. That's why the teaching, us teaching these things, is so that we can develop a consciousness. You got to develop a consciousness. When we say, you really exercising your faith, exercising your trust, exercising your love for God, it's all about exercise. You got to exercise those things. We can't just say it. We got to exercise those things. Because un unless you exercise them, they lie dormant. It lies dormant. If you don't exercise grace, it lies dormant. Not that it's not there and available. You're just not utilizing it. You've got to exercise grace. You've got to exercise peace. 
Our working definition of peace. And we're going to come back to this in a little bit. Our working definition of peace. God is with me and I am with him. That's, that's peace. Peace is knowing that God is with me and that I am with him. That's peace. You've got to exercise that. In order to exercise that, you've got to exercise being with him. If you don't put it into practice and exercise it, it's going to lie dormant. Not that it's not available. You're just not using it. Every, everything that is from God is free. It's there. It's made available for us. But if we don't exercise it, it's, it lies dormant. It's there and it's available. But you're not getting the benefit of it because you're not exercising it. And it's the same thing. It, and it is the same thing when it comes to God's grace for our finances. It's the same thing. Same concept. He's not separating. His principles are the same across the board. And it does, you cannot separate one from anything else. We cannot separate one from anything else. We talked about covetousness and our cure for covetousness. And I, I was talking to some people, and they were like, you know what, I really didn't think that I was covetous. But now that, now that I'm hearing this, God is showing me. He's showing me where I am covetous. He's showing me areas where I thought, I thought, it, was, I, I thought it was okay. See, those, those inner things. Remember, Pastor, you're talking about those inner things. That's a part of those inner things that you don't even necessarily know is there, but he's showing you. He shows us those things. And then what do you have to do? Then you have to do the unseen work to get it out. We've got to do the unseen work to get it out. And that's part of what we're doing. So we talked about the grace to cure covetousness. And basically the bottom line, that grace to cure covetousness, basically... It is found in Matthew chapter 22. And in Matthew chapter 22, it says what? To love the Lord your God with all. That's the cure for covetousness. <laughs> so simple, but that is the cure for covetousness. That's the cure. To love the Lord your God with all. Because when you love him with all, when you set your affection. So what do we say? We said that covetousness, let me, let me go back to that definition really quick. To covet, we said to set the heart upon, to fix the desire upon intensively and with passion, to long for, to lust after. That's covetousness. When you covet, you are setting your heart upon something. You're fixing your desire intensely and with passion upon something. That's covetousness. You're lusting after it. That's covetousness. So, the, the cure for setting your heart upon money, the cure for that is to set your heart upon God. Goes back to the scripture, the love of money. You've set your heart upon money. You've set it. When you love it, when you love it, when you love it, you have set your heart upon it. So, the opposite of that Cure for covetousness, when you've set your heart upon it, is to love the Lord your God. Set your heart upon loving Him. You fix your heart upon loving Him. You lust after that. You lust after loving Him. You lust after that. You desire it. You go after that. And when you do, see, all of us, all of us, all of, everybody's heart in here, everybody's heart in this place, Every believer's heart, but I'm particularly talking to you right now. Every believer's heart in this place should desire to love the Lord God more each day. That should be your heart's desire. I want to love you more each day. Each day, I want to love you more. That means I can't love you like I loved you yesterday. I got to love you more today. Is that possible? Yes, it's possible. Yes, it's possible. Why? Because we teach them this. So obviously it's possible 
to love the Lord God more each day. Because we, we are frail. We have weaknesses, all of us. We, are, we have frailties, we have weaknesses. Hence the message that, that Pastor Hill is teaching on Sundays. There's always something. Always something. Buying for your attention in your heart. Buying for your affection in your heart. Something that, you, that, that, that your heart wants to hold on to. That's opposite of what God wants for you. If I'm desiring each day, I got, I got to love you more each day. I got to love you, God, more each day. If you have that, if you have that, that thought and that mentality, I got to love you more each day, it will be easier. Easier. There has to be a conscious effort. There has to be exercise daily. My love for you has to be exercised daily. What can I give up today? What is it today that I can do for you, God? That needs to be, your, every day when you wake up in the morning, that needs to be a part of, that's a part of my day. I got to love. That's a part of my goal, my ambition. That's a part of my desire. Today, I got to love you more than what I did yesterday. And if we do that continuously and consistently, all of these things that God is trying to get rid of us out of, it will it will go. It will be easier for you to do it. But you got to set your affections. Just like you, you set your affections on anything else. And again, when you, when you set your affections on things, nothing can stop you from getting it. Nothing can stop you from achieving it when you set your affections on it. You know you. When your mind is made up about something, you are going to get it done. So why not set your affections on loving God more each day? I'm going to set my affection on that. I'm going to love you more each day. I've got to love you more each day. And in these messages, these messages, if you're sincere about it and you, you're really sincere about it, these messages, they will help and it'll help things fall away. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Because my heart can't, if, I, if I'm setting my affections on loving you more, love the Lord my God with all. I'm setting my heart to that, to love him with all. To love him with all. I'm going to love him with all my thoughts. I'm going to love him with all my desires. I'm going to love him with all my heart. I'm going to love him with all of my affection. I'm, going to, I'm setting my heart to that. And that will help some of these things drift away. Because why? You, you will find out that there is no room for concern for money. You'll find there's no room. There's no concern. There's no room for it. Not for me to worry about it. Not for me to fear about not having it. Not for me to want to get more of it. That will not be a concern. Why? Because my affection is set on loving the Lord my God with all. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's start with verse 10. Uh, let's, well, I think that's probably, yeah, 1 Timothy 6. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after, they have erred from what? The faith. When you love money, when you covet after money, it says it right here. Same thing I was just saying a few minutes ago. They have erred from the faith. They have erred from their trust in God. They have erred from the faith. When they covet after money. It says, and they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They have erred from the faith, and they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And I want you to stay with me. We, we, got, we got this Sunday, we, um, we're teaching today, we got, we got one more Sunday, because I'm not going to, one more Wednesday, I'm not going to leave you hanging, because, I, see, well, what can I do? What should I do? What can I do? I'm, I'm going to help you. Okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get out of this thing. I'm going to give you some practical ways on how to get out of that. Okay? Besides the one I just gave you, just striving to love the Lord my God more each day. That's one. Okay? But we're going to help, help you through that. So we, all is not lost. So, acceptance. So the covetousness, so again, that, that love of money is simply saying, it's describing or portraying a covetousness which is an inordinate, or an excessive desire to acquire. Remember, covetousness comes in two forms. So a covetousness is the excessive desire to acquire more, 
You don't have it. You're trying to acquire more. And it's also greed. Covetousness is also found in greed, where it's an, an excessive desire to possess more. I already possess some things. I want to possess more. So both of those forms, the love of money, can be found in covetousness. We already looked at how is covetousness cured. Love the Lord your God with all. Then we talked about recognize. This is where we left off. Recognizing the path of financial bondage. We talked about those mindsets. Remember we talked about the mindsets. Number one is that I have it to spend. I have money to spend. So I will buy whatever I want. And I can afford to buy. I also have some to give. But I'll hold on to it just in case I need it. That's a financial bondage. That's a mindset that we have to be careful of. It's a bondage. It is a bondage. Number two was, I don't have it to spend, so I'll borrow it through the loans, through the paydays, through the credit cards, through all of those things. I'm going to borrow it. I'll borrow it so I can buy what I want to buy. That's a bondage. It's a mindset of bondage. I don't have it to spend. Number three, I don't have it to spend, but I want it. So I'll do whatever it takes to get the money that I need. That is what I just talked about a few minutes ago as well, about us making other arrangements outside of the arrangements of God so that we can make more money. That means moving out of state if we need to. That means changing jobs if we need to. That means taking promotions if we need to. Whatever it is that's going to get us more money, regardless of, what, what, regardless of the other things that, it can, that, that can come along with that, Regardless of walking away from the things of God, regardless of walking away from what God intends for me or wants for me, trying to do in me and through me, regardless of all of that, I'm going to go after it. And number four was, I don't have it to spend, but I want it. I don't have the means to get it, so I'm not going to just go out and make, 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 do stupid decisions and, and borrow it and do my credit cards and all of that. But now that I can't get it, I don't have the means to get it, I'm depressed and I'm unhappy. That's also bondage. All of that is bondage. The enemy does not, God does not want you depressed because you can't buy stuff. That's bondage. He doesn't want you unhappy because you can't buy stuff. That's, that is from the enemy. That's from the enemy. Anything that he can do to keep you, to get you off focus and keep you off focus, he's going to do it. He, he wants your mind on the things you can't get. Keep your mind on that. You stay. You just stay right there. Woe is me. You just cry every night. Every time you got to pay bills, you just cry. You just stay right there. Because now I'm off focus. I can't think about anything else because I'm, I'm focused on that. All of those mindsets are dangerous because they are rooted in fear. We're going to talk about that. These mindsets are rooted in fear. They're rooted in selfishness. Some of them are rooted in discontentment, which also we'll talk about. It's rooted in idolatry, which causes a person to lose focus of the work and the purpose of God. Fear is designed, it's designed to cause you to lose focus of the work and the purpose of God. Discontentment is designed to cause you to lose focus of the work and the purpose of God. Selfishness is designed to cause you to lose focus of the work and the purpose of God. Idolatry, for sure. It is designed to cause you to lose focus of the work and the purpose of God. And all of those mindsets have something to do with one of those. Fear, selfishness, discontentment, or idolatry. Or maybe even all of them. Every last one of those mindsets is, is rooted in one of those. Or more than one of those. And all of those things will cause you to lose focus of the work and the purpose of God. Let's go up to verse 6. 1 Timothy 6. We're still there. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now that says with contentment. We can take that part out. With is just extra. With contentment. Godliness is great gain. It's okay to have contentment. You need contentment. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So verse 6, wealth, money, and having stuff, that does not bring you contentment. It will not bring you contentment. 
Contentment, and write this down if you write, make, make, taking notes, the definition for contentment. Contentment is an inner sufficiency. Contentment. It is an inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace. It's an inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace in spite of outward circumstances. Contentment. It is an inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace in spite of outward circumstances. Contentment. It's an inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace in spite of outward circumstances. So what is this inner sufficiency? It's an inner sufficiency. What is this inner sufficiency? It's found in our working definition of peace. Inner sufficiency, all that I need. Sufficiency, what is sufficiency? It suffices, that's all I need. Like God told uh, uh, Paul when he talked about these thorns that were in his flesh, he said, my grace is what? Sufficient. That means it's all that you need. (laughs) It's all that you need. Regardless of what happens, it's all that you need. Despite the outward circumstances, it's all that you need. That's what he was telling him. So it's found in our working definition of peace. God is with me and I am with him. That is an inner sufficiency. That's an inner sufficiency. When you have peace, when you have peace, you will find contentment. When you have peace, you will find contentment. Despite of anything else, when you have an inner sufficiency, which is peace, it will cause you to be content in whatever state that you're in. So, if you are not content with what you have financially, again, we're talking about finance. You could be discontent in a whole lot of things, but we're talking about money. If you are discontent because you don't have or you're discontent with what you have, understand that you are lacking an inner sufficiency. You're lacking an inner sufficiency. You're lacking... The peace of God. Peace knowing that I'm with him and he's with me. (laughs) See, when you feel like you just have to have money, you don't think, you have fear of your, your needs being met, you have that fear, you're lacking an inner sufficiency. Because your inner sufficiency says what? God is with me and I am with him. You lack it. I know, I know, I get it. But this is why those inner things, we're talking about those inner things. Because I guarantee you, there's some of you sitting here right now. I, I have peace. I have peace. I know that God is with me. I believe that God is with me and I'm with him. I know that. I trust that. I believe that. But then you have a problem when it comes to your finances. And you have a problem with that discontent. You have a problem with what you don't have. You have a problem with giving to the kingdom. You have a problem with tithes and offerings. Because there's a fear. And fear is the very opposite of faith. Fear is the very opposite of faith. There's some things that we're lacking. God is trying to show us. There's some things that we're lacking. There's some things that we thought we had together. Those, those, deep, those deep inner things that you really didn't realize was there. He's bringing them to the surface. He's bringing them to the surface. Because he says, now the grace is, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient to get it done. My grace is sufficient to move it out of the way. My grace is sufficient to to delete it, to eliminate it. My grace is sufficient to do it. 
But you got to exercise it. You got to be willing and obedient, and you got to put it, you got to do the work. You got to do the unseen work. Exercise it. If you really want to get rid of it. Now, if you want to stay covetous, then you just do what you want to do. But if you really want to love the Lord your God with all, that means he can ask you for anything. That means if he wanted to, he could ask you for your last dime. And you would be okay giving it. Remember what I said before? Twelve cents. I've been there before. I've been there before. But guess what? And we're going to get into this. I'm getting ahead of myself just a a little bit. But when I say that, see, we have obligations that we have to pay. And then we have what we, what's called. So we have an obligation that we pay. We pay that. We pay those. Then we have the things that we just spend money. We have, what, uh, we have funds that are just there. After we've paid bills, we, we, we have this, this set, what's that set of funds called? Discretionary. So we have discretionary funds. Our discretionary funds, we go and buy pizza, we go to the movies, we get our nails done. See, the, the, those, are, those, are, those are discretionary funds. That's what I'm talking about right there. You know, getting your nails done, that's not a need. You know that, right? That's not a need. You don't have to have fake nails. You don't have to have acrylic nails. You don't have to. Some people consider that a need. Those are discretionary funds. Oh, yeah. You don't have to get your hair done. You could do it yourself. Or get somebody that's willing to do it for you for free. You don't have to get your, your hair done. But some people consider that a need. <laughs> oh, no. I need that. In the summertime, now in the summertime, I consider getting my pedicures a need. Okay. In the summertime, I consider getting my pedicures a need. But no, not really. Because if God asked me for that little 35, 40, however much I spend on my nails, to get my feet done, guess what? They won't be getting done. Discretionary. Discretionary funds. So God is not asking you for your bill money. He's not asking you for your obligations. Now, you, now be careful when I, when I say that. That doesn't mean that you go out and make unnecessary obligations. See, credit cards, that's unnecessary an obligation. That's unnecessary. But again, it's going back to feeding your lust because the credit card is because I don't have the cash. Oh, come on now. That's not the way we're supposed to use a credit card, but that's how we use it. I don't have the cash, so I'll just charge it, and I'll wait and pay it later. Guess what? Unnecessary. It's not a need. It's not a need. And I'm not even talking about having a credit card and you and you charging something because I don't have the money, so I charge. Uh, 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 um, my car broke down, and I need my car to get to work because I'm I'm not on the bus line, so I have to use my credit card to get my car fixed so that I can get back and forth to it, so I can get the money to pay. I'm not talking about that. No, you go and spend. When you just want to eat, we just want to get your nails done, we just want to get your hair done, we just want to charge everything. Unnecessary stuff. We just put it on the credit card. I can swipe it. I can swipe it. Teenagers, they're good for that. Just swipe. Just swipe. I just want to swipe. Imani used to tell me that. I just want to swipe. Can we swipe? I said, you can't have that. I don't have the money for it. We can just swipe. You don't understand the concept. In order to swipe, you got to have money on the card to swipe. Write me a check. She said, write me a check. You, in order to write you a check, there has to be money in the bank. 
But guess what? Grown folks operate like you can, you can expect that from a child if they don't know no better. But grown folks operate like that. Grown folks, those folks who know better. And they'll write a hot check just so they can get what they want. Swipe. I'll just swipe it just to get what I want. Bondage. And you're using discretionary funds that could be used for something else. There's your offering money right there. There goes offering. Every week? You getting your hands on your nails done every week? And you're not... I'm not saying enjoy your money. Listen, I'm not, if you, if you are putting, if you are giving offering, I'm not even talking to you. But I am talking to you if God has been telling you to give more than what you've been giving and you give what you've been giving and he wants you to give more and you're still doing these, using these discretionary funds the way you want to. Everything has to be subject to God and his word. Everything has to be subject to God and his word. Your discretionary funds, need to be subject to God and his word. Don't mess with my discretionary funds. I already get tired. Your discretionary monies should be stuck. There should be nothing. We love the Lord, my God, with all. All that I have, I'm going to love the Lord, my God, with all that I have. That means whatever he asks me for, I'm willing to give because I love the Lord God with all. Even my discretionary funds. I love the Lord my God with my discretionary funds. With it all. So we have discontentment. A person who depends on material things for peace will never be satisfied. Why? Because first of all, Nothing will fully, listen to this, nothing will fully satisfy when you use it to occupy the space that was only intended for God. Nothing will ever satisfy, fully satisfy you when you're using it to occupy a space. Love the Lord my God with all, everything is subject to him and my love for him and his ways and his precepts and his his instruction and his guidance. Anything that I try to put in front of that will never fully satisfy because it's a space that only is intended for him to occupy. That can be a man, a woman, that can be money, that can be stuff, just having stuff. I just want stuff. I got to have the, the latest of everything. I got to have every name brand, just whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is. And understand, understand that that discontentment is all a part of discontentment. And because those, those things lose appeal. Every time you get something new, we talked about the iPhones, but every time you get something new and you think, to, again, this love for stuff, just, I just got to have stuff. I got to have the newest thing. I got to have the, all this love for this and this love for that. But understand that nothing is designed for it to stay new forever. And then they, 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 they do it that way because they know your lust. They already know that you want the latest and the greatest. They already know that. And that's why they put this, the price tag that they put on. They know that you like Gucci. They know that you like Dooney and Burke. They know that you like whatever. Mike Cord. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. You know, they, they know that. They know that you like that stuff. They know that. That you want to walk around with the name brand. They know that. Because it helps with your stature. Because it helps with your ego. Because it helps with your appearance. And they put those nice price tags on them. And you're going to pay that nice penny. Boom. They know that. But new don't last new long. So then something new comes out and you're going to want the newest. Discontentment. Because there's no inner sufficiency. 
using fines. I'm, and I'm, I'm talking about people using fines, who go out and charge it, who go out and that's what I'm talking about. If you can afford to get it and still give into the kingdom like you're supposed to and how God intends for you to, okay, and nobody, because nobody, I mean, nobody's saying that you cannot have nice things. You, nobody, nobody is saying that. But also understand that nice don't always have to come with a price tag that high. You can get a nice bag, a nice handbag. And it don't have to have Gucci on it. Uh, but Gucci looks so much better. No, it don't. No, it don't. Red stripes and G's that backwards and really, those G's are backwards. What's the appeal? It's not. It's just the name. That's what's getting you. It's the name. Don't be lying to somebody because the bag is cute. The bag is not cute. It's the name. Michael Kors. His bags are really plain. They're plain. But he can charge you only the legs for his plain bags. Well, you can go out and get you a nice leather bag. Looks just as nice. And probably even better. It's not that the bag is cute. It's plain. It's just the name. You got to have a name. Godliness itself is great gain. And it is profitable to all things. Godliness is profitable to all things. Because godliness is the reproducing, is godliness is reproducing his character, God's character, his image out of a love and a reverence for him, his character, and his laws. Godliness. It says, but godliness is great gain. Godliness itself is great gain. And godliness is reproducing his character, godliness. The character of God. I'm striving after God. I'm reproducing his character, his image, out of a love and a reverence for him. Out of a love and a reverence for him. I'm reproducing his character and an image out of a love for him. That's godliness. Godliness brings and provides peace. Godliness, it brings and it provides peace. Why? Because I'm developing and I'm maturing and I'm duplicating his character. What did I say? What did we say? His peace is me knowing, knowing that I am with God. When I'm going after him, when I'm, going, when I'm trying to mature in his character, mature in his image, I'm trying to duplicate that character, I'm in him. I'm with him. I'm with him. Because that's what he wants me to do. I'm with him. That shows that I'm with him. I'm developing, maturing that character, that image, so that I can respond just as he does. That's godliness. Responding just as he does. Because I'm reproducing that character and that image that I need to be able, to be able to respond as he does. That's godliness. Godliness is great gain. When I can develop and mature and duplicate the character and the image of God so that I can respond the way that he does. That is godliness. So when you have godliness, that's, that, that's having peace. And it is great gain. Guess what? It, when I say that it's great gain, and, and, and people, people think that I can't have, so if, you, if you're godly, if you're godly, you can't have things, you can't have stuff. You know, the rich and the poor, you will find the rich and the poor in heaven. You're going to find the rich and the poor in hell. Both. It's not that you cannot have those things. But what do we say? You have to love the Lord thy God with all. That's first. Your first love. You have to first love him. Everything else is secondary. I got to first love him. That's what gets you into heaven. Loving him and then producing the godliness because 
because you're showing that you're reproducing his character and his image by loving him, by reverencing him, and I'm going after his character and his image and his law. That's all that I want to do. Godliness brings and provides peace. Verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Wealth is not lasting. We brought nothing in. We were born naked. <laughs> we're going to die, and they're going to bury us. You'll have on some clothes, but guess what? It won't even matter. You can take nothing with you when you go. Everything that you're hoarding up, everything that you're trying to get, somebody else is going to get it. I told you before, the federal government is going to get it, your children are going to get it, and they're going to blow it when they get it. Somebody's going to get it, but you can't take it with you. We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. You can't take money with you. You can't take it. Verse 8. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Let us be therewith content, having food and raiment. Our basic needs are easily met. We talked about that before. The basic needs of food and covering, shelter and clothing. All you need is food, shelter, and clothing. Those are your basic needs. As long as you have that, it says be content. Be content. You have shelter, you have food, and you have clothes on your back. Be content. Be content with just that. Some of us are so consumed, and I've said this before, that some of us are so consumed with the luxuries that we have forgotten how to appreciate and enjoy our necessities. We're so caught up with the luxuries. We've forgotten how to appreciate, how to appreciate and enjoy our necessities. That is a key to being content. Just enjoy what you, just be grateful for what you have. Don't worry about what you don't have. Be grateful. See, we always look at the glass half empty. How about look at the glass half full? Be grateful for what you have. Because I'm saying, there's some people that don't even have what you have. And you consider, well, I don't have a whole lot. Exactly, but guess what? There are people with less than that. With less than that. You got socks on your feet when it's cold? Your basic needs are met. You have a house to go to when it's cold. Your basic needs are met. You have food in the refrigerator. Your basic needs are met. And while I'm there, I only got a few more minutes. I said food in the refrigerator. Even if you have to take it out, thaw it out, and cook it, you got food in the refrigerator. You open the refrigerator, there's food in there that could be cooked, and it's not. And you say, I don't have nothing in the house to eat. I don't got nothing to eat. And then we make phone calls to get stuff delivered. When you got food in the house, basic necessities. It may not be what you want at the time. Oh, I'm not craving that. I'm craving. Craving? Craving is for people with money. You can afford to crave if you got money, but if you don't have no money, but you got some in the house to eat, your basic needs are met. Let's order pizza. Well, what about that chicken you got thawed? I mean, you got in the freezer that you didn't thaw out. We don't have nothing to eat. Of course you don't, because everything's frozen. Basic needs, but we consider the luxury of being able to. The luxury of being able to order in. Oh, that's order takeout. The luxury, that's a luxury. 
delivery. Uber, Uber, Uber eats. Bondage. They got you in bondage. Because now I feel like I got an Uber eats when I got stuff in the freezer that I can thaw out and cook. Because there's the luxury of being able to call Uber Eats. That's a luxury. That's a luxury. That's a luxury. Some people consider that a necessity. No, I need it. I need it. No, you don't. You got stuff in your refrigerator and in your freezer you can eat. There goes your discretionary fund. Waste not, want not. And then you let the stuff sit in the freezer so long, then you got to throw it out. You spent money on it. Discretionary funds you spent money on, and it sits in the freezer, you got to throw it away, because when you look in there, it's frozen, and then you call Uber Eats, or you go order something to pick up. There goes your offering money. See, we're trying to call you to think about, think, just think about what you do, why you do it. That's, 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 a, all, that's all a part of this. Think about what you do and why you do it. We want you to think differently. So we said before, we want you to think differently. We just start thinking differently. I'm not going to start with that. I'm just going to start with fear. I can't do that because that's going to take me over my time. So we're going to pick up next week. We're going to pick up from there. But again, I want you to understand that in whatever state you're in, God is sufficient. God, his grace and his mercy is sufficient. And we said it before. If he can take care of, we said it, sung it in the song, if he can take care of you, through all of these things. And I want you to come back. We're going to talk about fear. I think fear, fear is a great thing. I, I, most of us in this room, we just don't have just like a whole lot of money, right? We're not, that's not where we are. Just have like a whole lot of money. So most of us are not in that category. Most of us in the category where, you know, we have this amount of money, that we're working with this amount of money. That's what most of us are. And then we're scared. We're fearful to give. We're fearful Put, uh, to do tithes. We're fearful to do offerings. We're fearful to do assessment. We're fearful to do pastor's compensation. We're fearful of those things because we're fearing that our needs won't be met. That's where most of us are. We fear that our needs won't be met. We fear that we might need something. That's why we hold on to stuff because we feel like we might need something. So I need to hold on to this just in case. When we sing the songs, God provides. When we sing the song, my God is awesome. He can move mountains. He can keep me in the valley. He can keep me when I don't have money. If he can keep you in the valley, he can keep you when you don't have money. Think about the words to this song. Think about, you know, I just, we just want you to just think. Just think about it. Just think about it. Sometimes we get so caught up in our day-to-day, we, we just don't, and we don't think, of, we just don't think. We don't think. Your praise to God, the words that you sing, that they mean something. Your words to God mean something. So that means that tells me that some of us sing the words and we don't really believe it. Or we sing the words because it's a good song. It's a nice word. There are nice words in the song, and it sounds good. And it's, it sings pretty. But we don't have enough trust in the words. You got to trust in the words. Because just singing it, or just saying it, is doing you no good. It's doing you no good. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. 
For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.